Welcome to the Italian Wine Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Vinitali International Wine and Spirits Exhibition. The 54th edition of Vinitali was held from the 10th to the 13th of April. If you missed it, don't worry. Go to vinitaliplus.com for on-demand recordings of all the sessions from the exhibition. everybody. My name is Polly Hammond, and you are listening to Uncorked, the Italian wine podcast series about all things marketing and communication. Join me each week for candid conversations with experts from within and beyond the wine world as we explore what it takes to build a profitable business in today's constantly shifting environment. Today we sit down with David James, the man who, as far as I'm concerned, runs the finest social media account in wine. David is an award-winning editorial and fashion photographer. He's got a PhD in cognitive psychology, and he's one of the smartest marketers I know. Today, we talk about storytelling, great photography, and what it means to capture the essence of a brand and the attention of your audience without being fixated on what's in the bottle. Let's get into it. David, thank you so much for being here. Hi. Thank you, Polly, for uh, having me here. It's been a long time trying to get this going. Um, yeah, it's it's. Um, I, I'm very grateful, actually. Thank you. It's you know honor. the funny thing about it is that right. when we think about it, it's been a long time coming. Um, you and I have actually been trying to sit down for, at this point, three years? Yes. Four years? I like think four way, years. Way pre-podcast. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And way... Um, way pandemic like pandemic has taken two years out of uh, and then I think yeah two years before that I um I had attended um a digital marketing uh seminar that you did here in Marlborough for um and I I guess yeah. it, a, a range of wine companies attended and uh, you were one of my only engaged audience members that was, was the thing it's so like okay this guy knows what he's doing well, I felt validated, like I, because I'd been doing Misty Cove's um, social media for a while, and I sort of felt like out there alone a little bit, mm. and like, oh, we're, I knew we were doing something different um, when we started, and I really loved um, using Instagram as a platform to at least um, tell the brand story of Misty Cove. But I felt like um, uh, Misty Cove was at that time, and still was, you know, a younger company. Um, and, um, you know, we were sort of just doing it, um, just feeling our way through it. And so, uh, when I turned up to your course, uh, sorry, the seminar, I was like, oh, wow, I'm doing all of the stuff that Polly says I should be doing. And I felt totally validated by, um, I was like, oh, okay, I'm doing it right. So don't, don't be scared. I'm okay. I'm good. I'm good. So, um, Yeah. So just just for the sake of for the sake of the listeners, one yes, of the sorry. things, um, no, 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 one of the things that was really important to me about getting mm. you on, and I, I said this when I was talking to Stevie Kim and we were first starting the series, mm. is I have consistently said that you run what I think is the best example of wine so of wine Instagram wine social media oh, that you. we can find yeah. um, from, and, and I know a lot of that comes from your background, but, um, and this applies to what you're saying about sitting in that room, you know, with a bunch of other marketers, Mm. 
I always equate good marketing to kind of like being a good friend maker, because that's really what we're doing. You know, as the marketers, we're the advocates for the customer in the room, but we're also the person who's making friends with Mm -hmm. our audience and our community. And a lot of what we do can be, I don't want to say overthought like it's a bad thing, but you know, it's important that we consider what we do, but it's not clinical. You know, Mm -hmm. these are real people that we're dealing with and we have real emotions and, you know, brands have personality. And when we try Mm -hmm. to make that into something that is corporate Mm -hmm. or clinical or so process heavy, Mm -hmm. it's just boring as fuck, man. Mm -hmm. So, um, so that's why you're here. And, and Mm -hmm. so, um, for everyone who's listening, if they want to now immediately go run to their phones and see what we're talking about, mm. you run the Instagram account as well as other social media, but Instagram is the one that really, really shines because you're a professional mm. photographer for mm. Misty Cove Wines. That's and true. that's the app. So they can, they can look it up while we talk now. Um, <laughs> yeah. So you, but you kind of fell into that position. Is that right? You didn't yes. go out into the world to be a social media star. That's correct. Um, I'd um, I'd done some photography for them um, earlier on um, for their website, and I'd actually taken um, done Andrew Bailey, who is the founder of Misty Cove. I had shot his wedding. He thought I was an absolute hoot, uh, <laughs> and uh, I still do wedding uh, photography as well. Um, but they just asked me to get you know some content. Um, here and there for the website, and then they um, did a canned wine campaign, for example. Um, they got me to do photos for that, and um, they um, had uh, another company handling the social media. And uh, at the time, um, the, the salesperson was, um, and it, I think it's typical with a, a lot of wine companies, maybe just companies in general, like especially um, ones that are a bit more established, it's like they get, you know, they've got a marketer and then they hire a content creator and mm. then they get the content and then they uh, yeah, that's the Instagram and then they write uh, copy. And it was just, it was, I think for them it felt, I well, I think we all agreed it was a fairly slow process and that someone on the ground who has a writing ability and I'd done some journalism for the local paper um, when I arrived in Marlborough um, and, and I also had the photo stuff and they said, well, why don't you come on board? Um, You're in. Yeah, so um, there was a retainer situation sorted out. I don't want to get to contractual stuff, but it meant that no. I just do stuff in Misty Cove and that's it. And it's, I don't think anyone else in Marlborough had really, um, or any wine company had hired just a, a content creator at all. Someone who just goes around, takes photos and writes shit on, on their Instagram. And so that, uh, I think, um, I think in that seminar where there was a, 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 there were a lot of people looking for answers or boxes to tick on how to run an Instagram. And I, I know that you said, don't, yeah, don't, don't mess about just, Take your marketing budget that you would spend on a billboard and just hire a content creator for a year and see your yeah. grow and your followers grow. Um, and it's real, authentic, and it's someone on the ground. Um, I think people know when it's you know some Auckland company has come flowing down and done it for them and then created all this content. And it just feels real. I, I 
I thought it felt disingenuous. I, I, I sorry, I, 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 a lot of wine marketing campaigns look disingenuous to me. It's, um, yeah, you know, like, um, two middle-aged white people walking through a vineyard and it's a sunset and there's blah, blah, blah. And that's, who does that? You know, like, I don't know. Yeah. Um, and it just... No, no, it's it's totally true. Yeah. The, the hands with grapes. The hands the with grapes. The soil, the yeah. sweeping vistas of Absolutely. the vineyard. And and I have the same thing for yeah. um for, for sites that I'm just like, no, we're, we're not using this. Before we hit record, we were talking about the fact that you are so unassuming and, um, and you have a PhD in cognitive psychology and you are, yeah. And you're, you're doing, you are on the storytelling and marketing end of brands these days. So I kind of want to start with that. I mean, it's something that also we haven't brought up is you are an award-winning fashion and editorial photographer. So, you know, that's going to come up in, in these discussions. But, you know, you're a part of culture with the work that you do from food, wine, beverage, fashion, beverage, uh, you know, uh, editorial. And you've got this really big <laughs> brain around psychology. What are you, are you using the psych background and training when you are developing your ideas, your stories or campaigns? Well, it's funny you should say that because I don't, um, a lot of the stuff that I did was, <laughs> I, I, I couldn't, you know, clinically use it. Like I wasn't interested in behaviorism or um, clinical psychology or anything like that. It was more, I was far more interested in the intersection between biology and, um, and cognition or biology and the evolution of the human brain. So I was very much interested in primate intelligence. What makes humans unique uh, is a lot of our, um, our uh, instinctual um, uh, native behaviors uh, you know, like fear of, you know, the basic ones are like, you know, fear of spiders, xenophobia, um, our ability for, for language. Um, you know, these are sort of all seem to be very native traits that are inborn, not culturally learned. So they kind of come, you know, straight out of the box, if you will. There's no instruction manual for it. We, we come equipped with some pretty good hardware to, to, to deal with the world. And, um, that fascinated me. And I think because I'd, um, I'd um, spent some time with a lot of um, uh, academics who were, I, I suppose, for lack of better words, uh, postmodernist kind of um, uh, um, scholars. I, I was looking for, like, you know, and I, in postmodernism, it's sort of all relative and it's all subjective and it's all like, what does it mean? It's just you. It's your. It's all very individualist. And so I think I was looking for something that was um, more pan-human. Um, I knew that there was facts and and um, and a truth out there that um, that uh, I guess um, that, that that was common to humanity. And I found that really fascinating. Mm. That the biological foundation for human behavior and culture was for me was just like. Whoa, that's amazing! Because one of the things that I really got interested in was um, religion. Because I'd um, grown up in a Pentecostal Christian home, I'm not religious myself anymore. I sort of left the church when I started listening to Metallica. <laughs> as soon as I started listening to Metallica and Guns N' Roses, I was like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I'm done. I found my God." 
Uh, <laughs> um, but um, but uh, I I'd found it quite interesting. And one of the things um, <clears throat> uh, cognitive psychologists look at when they look at culture, they they look at um, uh, ubiquitous kind of common features. So while religions, for example, I'll take the example for religion, it, they look different. Buddhism looks different to Christianity and Islam and, and Judaism, but there are real some common features in it like anthropomorphic mm-hmm. gods, life after death, purity rituals, um, all of these things which seem to be really common and we're almost intuitively gravitate towards, you know, explanations, uh, supernatural explanations for natural phenomena. So um, I I just was like, wow, that's so cool. And so if you think about it like a cake, you know, cakes look different, but it's all the same ingredients, if you will. Um, and so I, I found that quite interesting um, how cognitive psychologists were using the tools from science to study culture and and the kind of the themes and culture and stuff like that. And, you know, mm. you could look at it. Um, Carl Jung was, I, I'm sorry if I'm getting really heavy here. I was, Carl Jung, the psychologist, um, student of Freud, was really interested in archetypes as well. You know, like if you love Star Wars, um, the um, uh, uh, our friend George Lucas um, read um, Joseph Campbell's um, A Hero with a Thousand Faces. And now that is a Jungian sort of psych- psychological um, analysis of human culture, what we find in stories and storytelling is these kind of common archetypes and everything that we are intuitively gravitate towards. And so George Lucas wrote Star Wars based on um, the the, uh, the structure laid out in, in um, Hero with a Thousand Faces. He's like, there are actual really, you know, there's a hero, villains, um, I, I can't remember the archetypes, but... but Hold on, I... Yeah. I've got to say, nobody's going to believe that this is not a setup because I talk about the hero's journey in all of my storytelling work. Like I have a whole thing that we talk about that that's about um, we're not the we're not the hero in the story. We're the magician. These are the archetypes. This is the pathway. So please continue because I I want to talk about storytelling and we are on the same page. So we're talking yes. about Joseph Campbell and the hero's yeah. journey and that how stuff. that plays into psychology. But then yeah. also in, you know, I use that every day in marketing. Yeah. Is that something that you're kind of thinking about when you're working with your clients or is it just so a part of your knowledge that you don't, you don't think about it, you just do it? Yeah. So going back to your original question, I don't, and I don't know if I do or not intuitively do it. I don't sit down with a pen and paper and structure kind of like, I don't know, a brand story around, um, you know, the hero's journey or anything like that. Um, but, uh, you know, I think one of the things you can do in, in social media, for example, if you have people, you know, in your team or whatever, you know, do define them as characters, make them really clear characters uh, and, and introduce them really simply or uh, I, I guess, well, I guess um, you know, like have some kind of an emotional quality to those, to those people that you might like staff member or something like that. I, but to answer your question, I don't set out intentionally to apply any, any, any psychological tools that I've learned in university to what I do at all. It might be just 
yeah, intuitive. It's just in your brain. <laughs> yeah. Um, I wish so, I was so, a digital. <laughs> so the audiogram on that little bit is hire people who already know this stuff, right? You know, yep. like it, it's it's part of what we choose when we hire is that all mm. that retained knowledge and experience that comes with them. So I want to talk about mm. storytelling because um, one of the things that I have always loved about your work, whether it's the editorial work or whether it's, mm. you know, the, the social media campaigns is that there is a real audience-focused storytelling that goes on. Like I said, generally, what do you think about the uh, presentation of or the effectiveness, the direction of storytelling in wine these days? Um, that's a really... I was thinking about this question, actually, um, and it's... <laughs> storytelling or telling a story is kind of it feels like it's become a bit of a buzzword in marketing and stuff like that like um let us tell your story your brand story and like it feels like it's kind of like a marketing tool for marketers to to attract a new client you know oh i want my story told and i i i kind of like for some there's something in the back of my head that's kind of like going bullshit bullshit uh, <laughs> for some reason um like this yep. and it, because it, maybe because it's overused um th- that that term you know it's all it's all about authentically telling your story and i don't mm-hmm. know i still don't know what that means and i don't I don't know what authenticity looks like at all. I think, um, uh, and I don't know what storytelling is. I don't think there's, I think you feel it or you don't. I like doing things that kind of capture people's imagination. And I think that's the best way to describe um, the, the photos and the, and, and the words that I do, when the writing and the, and the imagery that I do. Um, if I can make, people excited or um or just kind of get their imagination like working it um and and reason and and i guess personally resonating with any kind of post that i do for example if i'm doing a social media post um yeah i i don't know i think there's something on the on my shoulder all the time saying is this a is this bullshit? <laughs> is this, are you for real? Like, how do you make this real? Like, how do like, make it real <laughs> as much as possible. And so um, I think that goes back to when you were talking about uh, social media is all about making friends. It's like, you know, talk to the people like, uh, you know, eye to eye. Um, I think like that, we talk now. Yeah. Like, yeah. like you talk now and that's kind of authenticity. So um, I think, yeah, but, yeah, so let's. I'll, I'll push that aside about my critique of story, and but I okay. but I will say, yeah, storytelling is really important. Um, having a good narrative, um, um, a voice is so important with the the copy that you write in social media. I do want to return to storytelling, but specific to voice, what like. How how do you do that? So in your case, you know, you are paid to come in and do the social media for another brand. It's not your brand. You have an awesome voice for the brand. How does how does a, a client get there with their providers, with their content creators? How can they empower you to do better? Well, that's 
that is the key question right there because I, I think um, in, in the word empowerment is so crucial to all of this. Um, I don't think there is a, you know, a, 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 um, you, <sighs> there's no paint by numbers approach at all, but Misty Cove said to me, you see all those people walking in wineries on sunsets and holding grapes and swilling glasses of wine? Don't do that. Just do the opposite of all of that. Be rogue, be rebel, be like straight out, okay. straight out of the gate, you know, crazy as much as possible within reason. I've, I've done some mm-hmm. pretty stretch to push the boundaries a few times. Um, um, just do something different because it's so boring. Everything's boring. And so that was their, that was their brief for me. It was like, just don't be boring. And so I was like, I can do that. <laughs> and I think there's, I think there is a real rebellious spirit in me. I've always uh, been a bit naughty. You think? <laughs> no. Yeah. I've always been a bit naughty and I like that. Mm. Um, I think it's, um, yeah, I, I like seeing stony faces going, what the hell's going on? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Because I, I think that sometimes what we forget, and this is sort of reverting back to storytelling, what we forget is the purpose of some of what we do is to capture their attention mm. long enough mm. that they stay with us, yep. that they read more, that they click through. Mm. And if if our very first presentation which is with the, you know, visually mm. is boring. Mm. Just going to roll right over it. Mm. Nobody's going to stop, you know, so that, that notion of, it's not necessarily that we have to, we all have to be rogue or we all have to be quirky or whatever, mm. but it's more that we need to know how we're going to stand out. Yes. That, that, that's, ex- that's yeah. exactly it. Um, and, and going back to storytelling, I think we're all, all of us natural born storytellers because, you know, we order our experience, which is, you know, like if you could think about the amount of information and data that your brain is actually like processing right now and ordering into an experience, it's enormous, you know, but there's a whole lot of redundancy around that, you know, you'd be overwhelmed otherwise. And I think um, uh, we structure our worlds and our experience and narratives so naturally, it's just sort of part of, who we are as humans. Um, it's, it's just, you know, a, there's a difference between good storytelling and bad st- storytelling. I completely agree with you, by the way, on it's become a buzzword and a lot of marketers talk about it and don't have a freaking clue. Like, And that's unfair. I shouldn't really rip on the marketers. I think that um, as most marketers don't want to say, this is bullshit, authenticity is, is there such a thing as authentic marketing if you're paying someone to do it? You know, that there are challenges inherent in what we're trying to devise. The issue with storytelling, a couple things that I noticed working with independent brands. If it's not right, you know it. Like you have to be able to stand there and own your story. And that is ultimately what I'm aiming for with authenticity is that I look, I know when I'm bullshitting. We all know when we tell lies, when we know, know when something resonates with us, when it feels right in our bones. And those are the stories that we ourselves 
can tell with passion and joy and emotion because it matters to us. If a story doesn't matter to you, it's not going to matter to anybody else because we cannot convey it, you know, in a way that carries any, any of that emotion with us. Um, it's just kind of us going off on our little marketers tangent, but that's the reason that I use the hero's journey is that we can be so enamored by our own thing that we don't stop and think about, well, who is this story for and about? And just remembering, you know, think that your audience is, I I do the whole Star Wars thing too. Your audience is Luke, you are Yoda, you know, you're the magician making their life fabulous because you're giving them the wine that impresses the boss, impresses the day, solves the problem, makes the perfect meal, whatever it, whatever it might be in that moment. Um, so, so this comes down to audience, like in, in my, you know, in an agency space, we go through a ton of qualitative and quantitative research, blah, 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 and who the audience is. When you sit down to do this for your wine brands or your fashion brands or anyone, how much are you like working through the audience or how much of it is instinct? I think I'm, as a person, I just, and it might come from being wily a little bit, a bit of a survivor, um, having worked on hospo. Um, having come from, you know, a background in addiction, um, that I've got. Not being 22, you have life experiences. All of that stuff. Um, I just think, um, I've, I've gained a lot of really good social intelligence over the years. I've always been really empathetic and really sensitive, um, ever since I was young. I think that's just something, um, uh, I've just... You know, my mum always used to say, you've got to toughen up, you've got to toughen up. The world's, you know, sometimes the world is feels incredibly overwhelming. And um, <clears throat> uh, so I do, I do feel people and I do, um, in that respect, I feel an audience as well. Like I don't want to feel like I'm selling shit to people. And I think that's the most important mm. thing is like, how do you sell wine without trying to sell it to people? Like, like you know what I mean? This is a delicious drop, perfect with your friends on a beach. It would be nice. It's like, Bleh. I just kind of want to vomit when I hear that. It's just, um, I think, I think the the human experience is just so much more um, interesting and far more complex and. Um, and with and and with that, I think humor has been really important with the Mystic Hove stuff, um, and and not um, erudition and serious. Yeah, a little bit. I think I think they really yeah. wanted to go against the wine snobbery stuff and be use a lot of colloquial language. And that suited me down to the ground because, um, like, I find all of that stuff, again, conversational. When you're talking to someone on the level, and that's empathy right there, I suppose. I'm I'm still finding it hard to um, really encapsulate and articulate um, 
the storytelling element and how to explain that. I wish I could bottle it and write it down and tell people, you know, this is how you do it. Um, but I think knowing you're right. I think knowing your audience is really important that there is someone listening. You've got to be em- empathetic um, to those readers and those listeners um, because being an Instagram consumer like myself, and I think, you know, in a social media consumer, I know what makes me stop, you know, and I, and I mm-hmm. know what makes me like stop scrolling. I was like, I want to go there. And I, so I'm always looking at what made me stop on that post, what made me engage with that. How can I, how can I bring that out? You know, like, and I, and, and, and to, into the work that I do. Yeah. So I, I think that there are a couple of things there that are important. So yes, understanding that storytelling is hard and that the notion that we want to simplify it or that it's packageable is probably one of the biggest problems that we face in marketing because it takes time, it takes money, it takes experimentation. You know, it like if you're going to outsource it, right, the learning has to happen. So we have to own that somehow that's going to happen. But the other thing that really stood out to me on that is you said, as a consumer of Instagram, right, as someone who actually engages with this all the time, I think this is another problem is that because of demographics, age, whatever it may be, busyness, we have a lot of brands that they themselves don't use the platforms in their personal, private, everyday life. And so they don't have any of that like native learning that we gain through constantly working with the tools ourselves. Yes. Um, can, can I just go back and just make a point before I... Um what you brought up there was really interesting because, and one of the things that I've learned along the way um, about Instagram and its um, and the storytelling and all of that stuff is that oftentimes what will happen is a client will come to me and say, "Oh, love what you do for this company, da, da, da. let's do that," and then they'll give it three months and it's like, "No, oh, nothing's working. We're not selling anything," and um, there's a couple of problems with that. Um, and first of all, social media, digital marketing, marketing in general is a long game. Um, uh, secondly, I think it's a bit of a black box. It's a bit of it's a bit of like black art. Um, you're not you're not um, there is no direct conversion. Like um, accounts departments hate us for a reason because they don't see conversions. They don't go well you posted that and we didn't sell anything i think social media is about sitting in your soul is is about creating something to sit in somebody else's soul and 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 live there um and i think for that reason alone it's an exceptionally good marketing tool because you have a living brand story and over time, you develop a language, you develop a story, you develop a narrative. You got to do it for longer than three months, baby. That's what I I think, you know. And so I think that's the most important thing that's been really a successful part of Misty Cove and some of the other brands that have, I've stayed with for a while is they understand it's a long game. 
and they might not sell shit, but hell, people know who they are. All of a sudden, um, you know, our sales guy is calling Canada and they're like, we love your brand story, you know. He doesn't have to tell them about Misty Cove anymore. He doesn't have to tell them the story because it's living there, you know, in, in digital world. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's cool. You know, he doesn't have to go, well, Misty Cobra about this, and they're, they're, we're really rogue and rebellious and da-da-da. And I don't. And while that's something that, you know, some of our philosophy, you know, you got to express it on a regular basis and, 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 and um, yeah, and mean it too. People look at social media and say, cheap, easy, free. Miracle. And and I'm like, you know that good social media isn't cheap. It's not easy. It's not fast. It's not free. Like there's no, it's not a miracle. There, any brand that's running really successful organic social media, that was fucking work. Someone did the work. There has been a lot of work. For example, with Mystico, absolutely. There's been a lot of time and effort put into it. And so, you know, I think um, earlier on, especially people were like, well, you know, are we selling wine? You know, what's the, when you were talking about metrics before, you know, what's the conversion? And, you know, like, it's sort of just one of those places you just kind of dump money or time and you don't, and time is money really um, because you've got to pay someone to do it. you dump money into a time, whatever, and what are the results? You know, like, and so, yeah, when you went with that, that scenario, you go into the client and saying, this is probably the most, you know, expensive marketing platforms that you can engage with. Oh, absolutely. And I think also, once you start, you can't stop. You can't, you can't just go, ah, we'll just leave it for a month. Eh, we'll come back. You know, you just, you got to, that's it. You got to go. You can't can't stop. Uh, It looks bad if you do. Mm. Talk about metrics. We'll go back to it. What metrics, what metrics do you, um, do you care about? Um, so I think for the first few years with, um, Misty Cove, they really wanted to see a report. This is more like um, showing the shareholders um, growth of followers. They want to see a growth of followers. Very important, you know, reach, impressions, all of that stuff. And so I was, I use later.com to do all my scheduling and they provide really good analytics in there and really good information. And so I can actually tell them, you know, what was the most popular post of the month. And we can get an idea then of, you know, what's working and what's not. And so, you know, like we were seeing things like uh, some of the landscape photography doing really well, you know, with their international audience. And then um, photos of uh, Andrew Bailey and his family, the founder. And, you know, that was just, that just takes off, you know. Um, some of that real family stuff and authenticity was was showing some excellent results. What I learned was like it's the emotional quality of the images and stuff like that sometimes that people respond to the most. And I, I was just I was quite fascinated by seeing those metrics. What the company wanted to see was growth. What I like to see was like um, I guess quality of engagement um around um what photos were working or what weren't so and now we've kind of got an idea that we've um we haven't been doing many social media reports um 
at all and more focusing on um, kind of uh, uh, our Google Analytics with our website and stuff like that, you know, and sales because we know that our social media is just up and running now and we know what works and what doesn't. So, um, and on top of that, social media has changed. You pay to play now. If you want engagement, you gotta boost the post. You know, like I find it's just a it's it's that's only happened in the last year and a half, two years, I think. Some people just aren't seeing a Facebook post at all. And we're in the past Facebook you know, are dicks as well. They, they're dicks. Yeah. In the past I'd post a photo and we get fifty likes. Now we might get two. That's weird. I, I like yeah. so they want you to spend the money. Um so yeah, so metrics for me earlier on was really important. And I think it's actually, if, if I was going to recommend it to anyone else, pay for the pro subscription on later.com and just get involved in your, the numbers and just see what's working and what's not working. It's really interesting to know your audience. When you we were looking at our audience, we were like, you know, it would switch between like, you know, 80% female some months and then, you know, of, of various demographics, but we generally found that we were really attractive to the 25 to 34 year olds, which was, um, you know, a younger audience. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's what we wanted. And, and so, uh, yeah. So I, I, the other thing too, for, um, marketers starting out, find out when your people are on their phones, because, um, the later actually will tell you when your audience is on their phone the most. And oftentimes um, it's in the evening. Like I have a, I handle a retail company um, and so it's a department store here in, in Marlborough and um, uh, most of their engagement is in the evening. I would say about 8 o'clock, the kids have mm. gone to bed. Um, they're sitting on the, gla- on the on the couch with a glass of wine, scrolling through their phones. Oh, I might buy that. They're, you know, um, and so it, yeah, know your audience and sort of when they're on your phones the most, and then you can know where to post as well. Those are the things that I really felt were super handy with me- with the metric stuff. Um, don't don't discard it at all. You know, the creativity stuff is great, but you know that um, the analytics are also really important. That really helps. So um, every time we do anything that has to do with social media, I just get um, deluged by practical questions. So mm. we're going to run through this in a sort of fast way. Yep. Um, planning. Do you plan? Other than later, like how far in advance do you plan? Uh, or have you just done it for so long that it's kind of natural? It is kind of natural. Like I don't, Schedule posts, I try not to do a week or two weeks in advance. It just feels like, man, I've just not. It's just so stupid to do that. And I know people say, oh, you've got to schedule and it's fine. And it makes it takes to. Uh, I, I find that then I'm not checking the actual real time like engagement on the phones at all. I'm just sort of letting it run. And it feels like I'm kind of a, a bit. Uh, out of touch with it. I, I, that's what I find. Right. So I, I, You're I'm phoning do, it in. Yeah, I'm happy to do three days in advance, say, for example, since I know um, there's a there's a plan where we're going to be promoting this wine, we're providing the cellar door accommodation, um, um, and then some, some harvest photos and stuff like that. Happy to do three days. But I really like to 
come back and have a look at how many likes there are, what the engagement does in real time. And so, yeah, it's it, um, and it, that, that that's just that's a personal preference for me. But people can can schedule, you know, the whole month if they want to. It's fine. But I just think it's it feels I don't know uh, disassociative or something like that. <laughs> it. it- so I, I have clients who do both. Um, and sometimes it just has to do with if the only way that we can have consistent communication is to have 90, 60, 30, whatever it is, 15 pre-scheduled posts, go for it. Like a lot of times for me, it's just saying, well, what systems allow it to go forward? Um, what about things like captions? You know, do you pay, do you, because I can labor over caption writing or email writing. Like, do you spend a lot of time really thinking deeply about what the caption is going to be or is it very much just like a what would I say in this moment move on yeah I I definitely what's in the moment and that's why I really like doing things you know not going the other thing I find if I schedule in a um you know a couple weeks in advance I burn out with caption writing if I'm sitting there and just writing it just starts to sound like it loses its its spark and energy, and so like I, I sometimes I like to come in and just feel fresh about just writing something really energetic and punchy. Um, and I really sometimes it's just like there will just be some words in my head. I I, I kid you not, there'll be just some words in my head, and I write it down on the caption, and I write a caption around those words, and it's. It's kind of like throwing the dice. It, it, it creates, it's, it feels fresh. It's random, um, not random, but you know what I mean. It feels like I'm not doing the same old thing over and over again. Like I just right. like, throw some words in and let's do a caption around those words or that energy or that sentence. Um, you know, sometimes I'll just use some onomatopoeia like screech. Yo, what's up? Hey, check this out, kind of thing. I wouldn't do that, but like, but uh, yeah, I get you it. Know, just sort of just silly things. Sometimes it's just, and it feels uh, for me, it feels fresh, and I'm far more proud of doing that kind of stuff than just going. You you can buy our wine now in New World, <laughs> right? Ninety five and da da da. It just feels dark berries and a yeah, hint of this. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah, you will love this. With you know what goes Lamb. great with Savion Blanc? Seafood. Seafood goes great with Savion Blanc. You should get some seafood and some Savion Blanc. And I, <laughs> I did a seafood post today. But the thing I did was was really cool. I, I actually said there's a really cool local fishmonger in town called Guyton's. You can buy some fucking good oysters from and just chuck some oysters back with some Savion Blanc. It's great. But, you know, I, I think it's just the way you say it, you know. This is, you've seen it. And it's also, it's also longevity. I think that's one of the things we're really coming back to is that you can do mm. the, you know, the kind of off-the-wall posts because yeah. there's – so much of it. It's so regular. You're yeah. sharing bits and pieces all the time. Whereas mm. if you if if you're not actively in these channels, mm. every one of those just gets sort of weighed down with mm. like, with need. Um, yes. Okay, so oh, can hashtag. I, can I? Can I yeah. I'll just follow that up. I now I I had to look up her name because I read the book a long time ago. Julia Cameron. Um, she wrote a book called The Artist's Way. 
And she encourages people just to wake up in the morning and just write in their diary whatever is in their head. You know, it could be their dreams or whatever. It's just sort of random writing. And that's sort of how I learned to write was kind of intuitively. Um, and it sounds really kind of woo-woo. Well, but it's, it, it's it, a practice. It, it, it's a practice. It kind of it helps you connect your head with your hands, you know, in a way. And um, uh, and it, it gives you confidence over the, uh, over the writing because as soon as you launch into something, you, you, you've just got to go all in. Sometimes you, mm. just, you can't hold the brakes and go, oh, what am I saying? I don't know what I'm saying. Is it wrong? You've just got to go, let's just keep writing and see what I'm about to say. I don't know what I'm about to say, but it, I think it's going to be good. So I just sort of, sometimes I do that free association writing and it kind of works. And then I just, yeah. Mm. Again, the thing, the thing that, that I hear when you say that is mm. this is about trust and agency. Mm. So hire people who you trust or build a relationship with you trust that you trust them and mm. then give them the agency, empower them to do these things. Because mm. when you're working through like really heavy approval, like multi-channel approval oh, workflows, sake. it's just dead. It's dead yeah, by the time you do it. And I, I, it's dead. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. On that note, I've had a couple of social media clients that like, can you run the post by me? And then I'll run it up the ladder to somebody else. And then, and by that time, you know, the week's gone, you know, like the immediacy is yeah. gone. You got to let people do it, their thing. Having said that, our EDMs are scrutinized because the last thing you want is a spelling mistake. Yeah. <laughs> at least you can not you edit send it out to 5,000 people. Yeah. Uh, at least you can go back and <laughs> fix a typo in, in Instagram or something like that. <laughs> you can archive it. You can delete it. Once that email's out in the world, it's out there forever. That's um, a, yeah, yeah. That, that's true. And that and yeah. that is that's really valid. You know, yeah. it's not it's not without care. Like, I don't think I want mm. people to take away that anything is just, you kind of flick it off. That's not mm. it at all. Mm. It, it's more that understanding what is important in that particular channel. Mm. And for something like social media, yeah, contemporaneous, you know, mm. immediate addressing what's going on in our mm. macro or micro world is mm. super important. Mm. Um, what about yeah. things like hashtags? Do you care? Uh, not so much anymore. Um, used to. Uh, I used to even do first comments and stuff like that. You know, um, I think I care more about it with Misty Cove than I do with my other clients. For example, I handle a bar and a restaurant. Now, they're just focused on um, letting the locals know there's a steak special on Saturday. No one, uh, no one's following steak special hashtag, you know, in, in Guatemala and you're thinking, wow, I want to go there. But I think if you do stuff, um, um, what I, what I like about, um, Misty Cove is that it lets me do a range of, uh, different images. So for example, I could do landscapes. So I might, I will do stuff like hashtag nature photography, you know, like we do a Savion Blanc, that's a Sir Lee. And so I will use Sir Lee, you know, if I talk about this particular Savion Blanc. Yeah, I, I do use hashtag a fair bit for Misty Cove and they work. I think they do. Um, yeah. And I just, I just know what to use, but I just won't go wine, 
Sauvignon Blanc, you know, try and be specific as you can or like attract the nerd audience as much as possible because they're the ones that are following the hashtags, not your not your regular consumer. Yeah, I think. What about things like so community building? Do you um do you actually sit on the accounts, grow the accounts by looking at who's paying attention to it, engage in lots of back and forth replies and conversation? Or is it more like you make the post and then you move on to the next post? Love it. If, if people share stories about the wine and stuff like that, I am all over that. I share it. I ask for the vote, the, the raw, the video, the raw video and the photo. I can use it again. People and people really appreciate that. I think. Um, and if somebody tags us in a post, I have to comment. I um, and if somebody comments on my on the post. Definitely commenting, like absolutely, woohoo, even if it is an emoji. I've seen with other wineries, I don't have to name names, but the like hundreds of comments, oh, this looks great. Oh, we love your wine company. Da, 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 da. Not a single reply on or any of those. So I, I look at that and I go, that is just dumb. That is dumb, dumb, dumb. And I know you've already got 10,000 followers, so you don't care, but come on, it's social media. So it's, it's social. So a couple things that I do want to talk about, um, and one of them is the editorial photography work that you do, the fashion and the beauty. Uh, it is non-traditional. You know, we've got a lot of gender fluidity. We've got a lot of brands that are breakout brands. What? How much does that influence your thinking and planning around wine, how we talk, who our audiences are. Is there, is there a, a overlap uh, in your head? It's, uh, the, the, the fashion work that I do is everything to me. It's, it's the core of, uh, it is the place where I go and learn, I think, um, and I bring back and, and it reinvigorates everything else that I do with, um, with my other clients. Because I, I'm lucky enough to have um, ex, an access and opportunity to work with really, you know, fringe brands, um, really cool Kiwi like labels and stuff like that. That are, you know, um, just creating a new language all the time. You know, like yeah. And 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 I think that's a great thing about fashion. It, it always has to be new. You know, there's not, it's gone tomorrow. You know, you do one shoot, it's gone. People have forgotten about next week. So everyone's always thinking about something new, always trying to be innovative, trying to get people's attention. Um, and I don't mean that, you know, in a disingenuous way at all. I think it's more um, uh, just, it's, it's again, it's like creating a, a new language to speak. And so, when I'm kind of in those worlds, I I bring back a lot of those the resources from the from those worlds um, to Misty Cove and everything like that. And then I think that's where they the um, I have aligned with their rebellious spirit. And I think I brought a, a lot of that um, uh, edgy, for lack of a better word, edgy kind of um, uh, alternative-y kind of vibe. Fuck, I hate those words, but. 
<laughs> yeah. But um, you know, uh, more out- non-traditional. Outlier. I mean, it's yeah, just non-traditional. It's not. It's not boring. It's not boring. It's not boring. And, yeah. and non-traditional in a wine sense. Yeah. Like it's just not. Yeah. What other wine brands were doing? Absolutely. Um, and I am lucky that Misty lets me do it as well. They're like, yeah, Dave, you just do that. I, you know, within reason. But um, they're they're pretty happy most of the time. Mm. Yeah, so yeah. the fashion stuff so, I love. Mm. The fashion stuff you love. All right. Um, last question. Yes. That I and I and I really want us to have time to talk about this. So this is mm. all we'll focus on from here on out. Mm. You don't drink. You run social media. Mm. You run what I think is the most badass wine social media account, and you don't drink. Yes, that's correct. And and I think um, I can't help but think that maybe it's the fact that you don't drink that allows you to see beyond this thing that we're also consumed by, which is what's the quality of what's in the bottle. Yes. How does not drinking change your relationship with the storytelling and the messaging and the community? Well, I think I've thought about this question a lot, especially on an ethical level, because I am a recovering addict and alcoholic. Here I am working in an industry that peddles booze, you know. We can get high yeah. about the wine as much as possible. Oh, the notes of watermelon and the cucumber, duh, duh, duh. But, you know, people get plastered on it. So let's, let's, let's get real. Um, so, um, and I've thought about this question a lot. And I think, you know, I could, I always use this anecdote. I think it's an anecdote. I don't know. Uh, or uh, example. I could be allergic to peanuts, but I could, would tell a great story about a peanut butter brand. I would love, you know, I, I could tell a great, I know I could tell a great story about peanut butter, even though I couldn't eat it. If that makes sense. I, I think there's just so much more to wine than the, the um, you know, the, the melies and the the tasting and the swirling and all of that stuff. I think there's people, there's a culture. I I'm right here. I'm at the Misty Cove offices right now, and I'm a contractor, so I'm not actually an employee of Misty Cove. But I think it's really important for me to be here on a regular basis, be around the people, the culture, the winemakers, all of that stuff, because um, that they they make me happy. You know, um, I think it's. It's a lot of fun. I, I I wish in many ways, you know, people are just funny. You know, you could almost, <laughs> I reckon a sitcom. You could, I, I would love, you know, like the office version of a winery with like winemakers, you know, like the, the artistic temperament and the ego. Um, and, you know, this is your next, this is your next mission. Yeah. Is that you, you can do that yeah. for us. YouTube series. Yeah, exactly. The, Be fabulous. The accounts guy, like kill me. How much money is this going to cost to develop a vineyard? The uh, marketer sitting in the back room bitching amongst themselves. Yeah, it's just uh, the, the 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 marketing. Uh, I don't know. I love it's, it. It's just it's just cool. And I, what, what I think, uh, um, yeah, there's so much you can tell. Uh, and I think that's the thing. So I've tried to angle all of the language and all of the imagery for Misty Cove as much as I can. You know. 
the non-wine stuff as well, the people, the culture, the landscapes, the the harvest, you know, all of that stuff is really cool. And I tell you what, I love Marlborough. When I first moved here, I just fell in love with the region, the lights, the people. It's just a warm, good place to be. The people here are fantastic. So I have no trouble in talking about Marlborough in general and living here and the people that create wine here. Um, and so around all that ethical stuff, I think it's um, it's still, I, I still ask this question some mornings, I'll get out of the chair and I was like, you know, you're, you're, uh, I know people who personally who drink far too much still and they might drink wine far too much. Am I doing, is this the right thing to do? You know, like I think, um, you, uh, is this an ethically responsible thing to do? <sighs> um, David, I think that if we're working as, yeah. as wine marketers and we're not asking ourselves that question yeah. from time to time, there's something wrong with oh, us. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. David, thank you so much. What the audience can't see is that this interview has been rife with connectivity issues. Um, I'm I'm really grateful to you. I love getting to talk to you because you and I think similarly on so many things. Thank you for having me. And that's a wrap for today. Thank you for listening and an enormous thanks to David for joining me from Marlborough, New Zealand tonight. I'm so glad we were able to finally make this happen. The Italian Wine Podcast is among the leading wine podcasts in the world and the only one with daily episodes. Tune in each day and discover all our different shows. Be sure to join us next Sunday for another look at the world of wine marketing. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Italian Wine Podcast, brought to you by Vinitali International Wine and Spirits Exhibition, the biggest drinks trade fair in the world. Remember to subscribe to Italian Wine Podcast and catch us on SoundCloud, Spotify, and wherever you get your pods. You can also find us at italianwinepodcast.com. guys, I'm Joy Livingston and I am the producer of the Italian Wine Podcast. Thank you for listening. We are the only wine podcast that has been doing a daily show since the pandemic began. This is a labor of love and we are committed to bringing you free content every day. Of course, this takes time and effort, not to mention the cost of equipment, production and editing. We would be grateful for your donations, suggestions, requests and ideas. For more information on how to get in touch, go to italianwinepodcast.com.